So what? We watch anime. So what? We play League. We're just having fun. We don't care who sees. So what? We stay in. It don't bother me. Living young, pale and nerdy. Hello and welcome to the Re Entertainment Podcast, episode 200. And to mark this special occasion, it's just me, Nathan Reigns Bruth here today. Uh, Andrew Oro McFain is having problems with his. He is having problems with his internet, and Connor, the cyberpunk monk Besh, is having problems with being in a different state, and that seems to be an issue. This is actually the second time I'm recording this because I forgot to turn on my microphone. So here I am recording the opening of this again. Uh, I'm just going to go right into what I have been playing this week. Of course, my name's Nathan Rain Spruth. You can find me on Twitter at Mixer, uh, Twitter at Reeton, Mixer at Reeton, uh, YouTube at Reeton or Reeton Entertainment. My website is ReetonEntertainment.com. You can find the podcast at Reeton Podcast, and it's always in the description below, wherever you're listening to. Uh, iTunes, you can rate us on iTunes and give us a five out of five stars and leave a nice little note, and I will read it on the podcast uh, the week after I see it, basically, because sometimes it takes a bit to come in. So, I'm going to move right into uh, the stories, like I did earlier and nobody heard because the microphone wasn't working. So, we're going to talk about the Xbox Game Pass, and it's making its way to PC. Basically, the Xbox Game Pass is, you pay $15 a month and you get a selection of like 200 games you can play from. Some of them new, like Sea of Thieves, some of them old, but you get a selection of games that you can play from on your Xbox, and certain games are available on PC as well. However, not all games are available on PC, and I think they're trying to change that. So, uh, I got this article from Destructoid, and it says, uh, Microsoft is finally bringing its Xbox Game Pass service to PC. Uh, Sort of soft launch last year with the Xbox Play Anywhere titles, which are, as I said, Sea of Thieves, Forza Horizon, stuff like that. Um, Microsoft has detailed a full online Full outline, sorry, for what the Game Pass will be offering PC players in the near future. In addition to a rotating selection of over 100 games, many of which will be playable on Xbox One, players will be dumping the UWA, Universal Windows app, requirement and supporting Win32 applications. Uh, this this is a bit tricky to explain, and uh, I wish Aro were here, he'd be able to explain it bit better, but basically a Win32 application is a normal windows application and the uwa is the universal windows app and that's what you find on like those tiles that when you open up uh windows 10 or windows 8 had a bunch of like tiles and stuff and they're dumping that they're dumping that and allowing them just to be able to use normal windows applications which i think is great in the post over on The Wire, Microsoft notes that Game Pass will launch with titles from well-known PC game developers and publishers. Uh, they said that it would be, see things like Total War, The Elder Scrolls, and Yakuza. Also games like uh, Gears of War 5, Age of Empires 1, 2, 3, uh, Definitive Editions, and the upcoming Halo the Master Chief Collection will actually be purchasable on Steam when they launch. So they're, they're, I think Microsoft doing a great job with the the fact that they were in second place, and I believe they are still in second place in this generation, it was, you know, Microsoft, Xbox One did really, really poorly when it first launched. 
And so they have done a lot of things to kind of cater towards fans. So they've they've implemented this play anywhere program, which I think is great. They've implemented uh, the the fact that you can play games on your PC with uh, players on the orig- or on the Xbox One without having to do any crazy stuff. And they keep doing things like adding emulators for the original Xbox and the Xbox 360. And they're just working really, really hard to kind of get those customers back. The problem I see is if they win, if they end up in the next generation, people are like, you know what? I like the Xbox more. I'm going to switch from PlayStation to Xbox, like they did in the 360 days, is that Microsoft might again get a big head, just like Sony has a big head right now. And then Sony will have to do things to try to keep up with the xbox and so it's kind of the second place person or i'm sorry the second place company is usually the one trying to make the right decisions because they're the ones that need to gain that customer support and then once they get that they say screw the customer and that's just what i have seen happen many many times over the years with the playstation 3 they were definitely trying to get that xbox 360 marketplace back that share back from the Uh, from Microsoft, but they weren't able to do it until the PlayStation 4 came out. And then they smashed and have kind of been very draconian in a lot of things that they've done. And I'm worried that if, if the Xbox takes over or overtakes the PlayStation, then we're going to see that again, where the Xbox is going to be hampered and not have that much development for it. While the PlayStation five gets a a lot of features that maybe the xbox one or the xbox two won't have i don't know what they're going to call it it they they have really terrible naming schemes for the xbox it's xbox xbox 360 xbox one and now they're they're gonna have to find out a different name right they're gonna have to either xbox two or xbox one z xbox something they're they're crazy. They should have just stuck with Xbox One, Two, and Three. They it's just easier that way. Uh, we're gonna move on to another story. That these aren't the big stories. These are minor stories. And then we're gonna move on to the two big stories that I want to talk about this week. So we're gonna talk about uh, this is from Nintendo Life, and it's it's about Amiibo. Amiibo are little figurines basically that you buy and you can unlock DLC in. Uh, Nintendo games, like on the Nintendo Switch and on the, the the Wii U. And you use them and you click the thing and it's like, yay, you got a new character or you got a new outfit for a character. Basically little stuff like that. Um, but sometimes there are tons of Amiibo and sometimes people will buy all of them because they are insane and they're like $20 a piece. I don't get it. And They'll have, for like Hyrule uh, Breath of the Wild, they'll have the Amiibos for everything, and you can use pretty much all of your Amiibos. Same thing with Super Mario Maker. But unfortunately, Super Mario Maker 2 is announced, and that's not going to happen. So it says here from Nintendo Life, continuing on the theme of strange omissions from Nintendo's upcoming sequel, Super Mario Maker 2, argu- arguably one of the biggest disappointments is the lack of Amiibo support in the game. This means no mystery mushrooms that turn you into an 
into an 8-bit rendition of characters from video game history. I don't know why I'm not able to read today. As confirmed by Game Explain, after speaking with the Nintendo representative, support of the NFC figures seems to have been jettisoned entirely for the sequel. The original Super Mario Maker supported nearly all of the figurines in the original Super Mario Brothers. Play, uh, the playstyle, playstyle. I'm sorry, in the original Super Mario Brothers playstyle. It's it's weird because a Super Mario Bros. has a period, so I want to stop, but you don't stop. Playstyle and uh, provided some wonderful opportunities for levels using treasured characters from both inside and outside of Super Mario Brothers. So it looks like not only are they limiting support for different Amiibos, but they are taking out Amiibo support entirely from Super Mario Maker's um, two, and so that really is a bad idea, in my opinion. I think that one of the biggest draws of Amiibo is using them in games like Super Mario Maker Two, and if you take that out, people might not buy those Amiibo, and that's that's a really big bad thing that's going to happen. Then there's always going to be the crazy people who buy all of your Amiibo. All of the figures that come out, they're going to buy. But for some reason, that's not happening right now, and that's really not a good thing. So hopefully uh, this is a lie. I'm, I'm hoping that this is a lie and it's just rumor and speculation because it makes no sense not to have Amiibo in Super Mario Maker 2. And we're going to move on to the next story. Uh, this, one's, this one's really, 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 really short. And what that is, uh, is Death Stranding, which is a game made by uh, Hideo Kojima, who is the guy who made all of the, um, not all of them, but a lot of the Metal Gear Solid games up to number five. And Death Stranding has has now finally gotten a release date, and that is November 8th, 2019. I am not excited at all for this game. It looks really, really bad. And I don't know, I honestly don't know why people are interested in it other than Hideo Kojima is behind it. Because I, you put like a baby in a tube and then use the baby's power to find aliens. I, that's what I get from it and I don't understand it. So we're going to move on and we're going to talk about the last two stories, which are the big stories this week. One of those is uh, Intel's 10th generation core chips, which are on a 10 nanometer, 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 uh, and then it's called Ice Lake. So it's 10 nanometers. Uh, I don't know exactly how that works, but it, basically it gets smaller and you can put more stuff inside and it gets better, basically. And, uh, and then the other one's AMDs, basically. So not basically, it is AMDs. It is AMDs. I'm sorry. I'm all by myself here today. I'm all I'm all confuzzled. I don't have anyone to bounce things off of. This is going to be a very, very short podcast. So, the 10th generation core chips by Intel. And this is from Tom's Hardware. Both of these last stories are from Tom's Hardware. It says, Intel's traditional two-layer cadence between new architecture was famously delayed for four years as the company struggled to bring its 10 nanometer mo- node online. But now Intel has finally whipped the covers off the 10 nanometer 10th generation core processors, and it's codenamed Ice Lake. 
It says that they feature an 18% increase in average instruction per cycle, which is IPC, um, compared to the aging Skylake architecture. But the gains are even higher in some applications, with peaks and 30% to 40% range for some types of workloads, albeit lower in some. So average of 18% with peaks at about 30 to 40%, depending on the workload. I would imagine certain games or uh, things that can use their higher clock speeds because Intel has really good clock speeds compared to the amount of cores they have. The boosted performance come courtesy of Intel's new Sunny Cove cores and is needed is a needed addition to fight off the resurgent AMD, and we'll talk about that in a minute. AMD claims that the new third-gen products have exceeded Intel's Skylake single-core performance along the hallmark of Intel's dominating performance, albeit a 1% margin. So basically, AMD is claiming that they have beaten Intel's current ninth-gen processors in IPC, which are instructions per cycle, as we said earlier. And since they have exceeded, since AMD has exceeded what Intel is able to do with Ice Lake, or I think, yeah, with Ice Lake, they have to, um, they have to be able to be Ryzen 2. And most likely they will be. I, I'll give my opinions on that in a minute or in a few minutes after I'm done talking about AMD. Um, we're going to move on, and it says Intel has whipped its new Gen 11 graphics engine as well, which apparently are way better than the current graphics engine that's on there, that's built into their chips right now. Um, it says it will offer two times performance and claims that to take the per- bleh, claims to take the performance crown from AMD's APUs. Uh, Intel has also integrated new DL boost capabilities that offer up to a 2.5 times performance with AI re- workloads through ne- new vector instructions. Other announcements, or I'm sorry, other enhancements. I'm sorry, I cannot read today, and I don't have anyone to bounce things off of, so this is always difficult. Other enhancements like the ability to use four Thunderbolt 3 ports and four times the throughput of USB 3 apiece. So Thunderbolt 4 runs, I believe, at 40 gigs. No, 80 gigs. It's something like that. I think it's 80 gigs a second, gigabits per second. And so it runs extremely fast, and they've been using it for all sorts of technologies, such as external graphics cards. You get basically a box that has a PCI port on it, and you put plug in a graphics card into that PCI port. And so when you have a laptop and you and you set it down, you can then plug in that Thunderbolt port and use the external graphics card without any performance loss, which is pretty amazing. So that's really going to be helpful to be able to so, to support four because I think the best ones right now have two Thunderbolt 3 ports or Thunderbolt 2 ports. So it should be really, really interesting to see laptops that are $4,000 because they will not be cheap if they have three or four Thunderbolt 3 ports in them. So the Ice Lake lineup is destined for notebooks and other thin and light devices. The chips will come in U and Y series variants, which will span from 9, 10, and 25 watt TDP ranges. TDP is thermal, dynamic, something. And basically it, it means how much 
power and how much heat they output. So 9 watts is going to be less powerful, but it's also going to put out less heat, while 25-watt ones are going to be able to bring out a lot more power but also will need a bigger cooling solution. These 10th generation processors will come up with four cores and eight threads and an 88 BM of, um, sorry, that's wrong, 8 BM of L3, L3 cache. I think that's written incorrectly. I, I'm pretty sure they mean 8 megabytes, not BM. So 8 megabytes of L3 cache. They had a typo there. Um, the Ice Lake processors come with a maximum turbo frequency of 4.1 which gigahertz, which seems backwards. And it says here, it's a notable step backwards from the 4.6 gigahertz peak boost clock speed of the previous gen chips. So it looks like they haven't fully optimized the 10 nanometer node, but I, that seems really low because right now, I think the 9900K can go up to 5 gigahertz. But if if you have proper cooling, you can get up to 5 gigahertz. So it's going all the way back down to 4.1 gigahertz. But with the architects, uh, the architectural advancement, maybe that speed isn't as needed um, as as potentially it's needed on the Skylake architecture. So I'm really, really quite excited for this. I think that it's really neat that they are are actually having some competition from AMD and so they're actually going back down to the 10 nanometer node which right now they've been on the 14 nanometer node since 2015 or is it the 12 nanometer node I think it's 14 and they've been on that since 2015 and hopefully this will just it'll get better so right now they're coming out with Ice Lake but in a year or so they're going to come out with the second generation which I would urge if if you really need a new computer right now, don't buy Intel, actually. I would say if you really need a new computer and you can't find a really good deal for Intel, AMD is great. And we're going to talk about AMD here in just one second, right as I switch over to this tab. AMD fired off in the first salvo of its third-gen lineup today at Computex. This was a while ago at Computex. And I want to go over some of the stuff that we had gone over yes or last week. And now some of those rumors were incorrect and some of those rumors were kind of true. And and that's what really gets me excited is that even though they were only kind of true, um, they are still way, way cheaper than the Intel versions of these processors. So the first things first, we have the Ryzen 5 3600, which is 6-core, 12-thread. It's 65 watts uh, TDP, which... Again, that's performance and heat. Um, so you'll be able to use a, a pretty low-end cooler on the 65-watt TDP part. It has a base frequency of 3.6 with a boost frequency of 4.2. Mind you, the Intel one has 4.1 gigahertz uh, frequency. The total cache is 35 megabytes, not 8 megabytes, 35 megabytes. Um, it has 24 PCI lanes and processor chipset stuff. You'll never worry about that. But it's 6-core and 12-thread, and the current 6-core 12-thread offering by Intel is around $300 to $350. The 6-core 12-thread offering by AMD will be $199. This is a great 
I'm not going to buy it when it comes out because I'm a little worried about how it will perform uh, with driver updates and stuff. But give give it like three or four months and it'll be great. But this is a great chip. If if somebody asked me, hey, I want to build a computer, what's a processor that you would recommend? I would recommend the Ryzen thirty six Ryzen five thirty six hundred. It's one hundred ninety nine dollars. Really, really cheap for a six core twelve thread brand new processor. Uh, they also have the Ryzen 5 3600S, which brings the TDP up to 95 watts, uh, the base frequency to 3.8 watts or 3.8 gigahertz, boost frequency at 4.4 gigahertz, total cache at the same at 35, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they also have the 3700X, which is $329. And it's an 8-core, 16-thread processor with, again, a 65-watt TDP, which is really, really low for an 8-core, 16-thread processor, 3.6 gigahertz. Uh, base frequency, boost frequency of 4.4 gigahertz, et cetera, et cetera. Ryzen 7 3800X, again, 8-core, uh, 16-thread. It's $399 with a total uh, TDP of 105 watts, pretty much everything else is similar. It's 3.9 base frequency, etc., etc. Uh, the Ryzen 9 3900 is $500, 3900X, apologies. That's 12 core, 24 thread. Uh, base frequency goes down a little bit, it's down to 3.8 gigahertz while the boost frequency goes up a little bit to 4.6 gigahertz and so has 70 megabytes of cache which is sounds low because you can get gigs upon gigs of ram right but that much cache is actually pretty amazing especially since remember intel's only doing eight megabytes of cache so um these are really good processors i think and also again i wouldn't say go for the the ryzen 9 3900x 500 for a processor is a bit much and nobody, unless you're a content creator, you're not going to be using that 12 core, 24 threads. You, uh, it just it doesn't make feasible sense to do. However, um, going through this article, uh, you can see that a lot of these are just really, really low price for what you get, and hopefully they can take that, they can take more of a market share from Intel, and which will create more competition from Intel. That's my. That's my big hope. Now, of course, they have other things. And so they have PCIe lane. They have more PCIe lanes that are supported. Um, they're going to be able to support other features that I haven't gone into. But right now, AMD is where it's at for, for innovation. And as I was talking about earlier, this is actually a really good example, is that uh, I was talking about how Xbox right now is in second place behind the PlayStation. And so Xbox is getting more features added to it by its company. So you have the Xbox getting backwards compatibility with through emulation. You have the Xbox Game Pass, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they are really, really trying hard to catch up with PlayStation. And the same thing is happening with AMD and Intel. And it's taken a long time for AMD to catch up but they are definitely trying, like Microsoft, to catch up with the big the big boys. And I don't think that AMD is ever going to overtake Intel in sales or profit share or anything like that. But I do think 
that it is pretty great that they're going to be competing finally with Intel. And that's just, this is something that hasn't happened since the mid-2000s. And even then, it was short-lived, like a month, and then Intel came out with something better. So the idea that AMD is the underdog, but they're coming up and they're, they're creating these six-core, 12-thread processors for $200, or a nine, I'm sorry, a 12-core, 24-thread processor for $499. It's just amazing to me, and I think it's great. They also, AMD is going to see a 15% boost According to AMD, they say they've, they've seen a 15% boost in IPC, uh, while Intel is saying they've seen an 18% boost. But really, you have, to, you have to wait. You have to take those things with a grain of salt because those are very, very like, okay, this is in Cinebench or this is in a specific program, and it's, this is where you're seeing that boost. Uh, there was another company that came out and said that AMD has got a 13% boost, which is still pretty good, which is still, actually, it's still really good to get a, a 13% boost uh, generation to generation. So I am really looking forward to this year and with Intel releasing new new chips and with AMD releasing new chips. And hopefully, we didn't hear very much about Navi, but Navi is also something that was uh, was released. And it's saying that PCIe 4.0 compa- compatible desktop chips is what the new Ryzen 2 are going to be. Um, AMD has enabled their faster interface and also unveiled the new PCIe 4.0 Radeon RX 5700 graphics card, along with a PCIe 4.0 SSD that pushes out 5 gigabytes of throughput. I think it also has a heat sink on it. So it's just super fast. And what an NVMe drive is, um, it, well, it's an SSD, but it's, it's probably going to be an NVMe drive. And what it is, is it's just a solid syndrome. So it's a hard drive for your computer that can run up to 10 gigabytes per second, which is great. It'll make saving really great. It'll make loading up into games and windows, uh, even just, just windows loading up would be great. So I am really excited for this next generation and this next year. And hopefully uh, we hear more about, we hear more about Navi this year because we really didn't see much for Navi. Now it does have a list here of, of third gen, which, so it's third gen, but it's Ryzen 2. It's really weird because it was like you had Ryzen, then you had Ryzen 1.5 and then you have Ryzen 2, but they're calling it third gen. Anyway, uh, it's saying that there's a 34% boost in League of Legends for the uh, from the Ryzen 7 2700X to the Ryzen 7 3800X. Uh, there's a 34% boost from Counter-Strike, uh, 22% boost in uh, PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds, 21% boost in Overwatch, 15% boost in Dota 2, and 14% boost in Grand Theft Auto. It is also saying that the single thread performance is 3% faster over the Core i9 uh, I'm sorry the Core i7 9700 so the the uh, Ryzen 7 3800X will be 3% faster than the 9700K which I guess it's competing with. So it's not you know it's not a huge gain there but it's still it's still pretty cool. So it 
I'm really excited. I hope that you guys are too. And I hope that if anybody needs, um, you know, better news, then hopefully come back next week because I'll have people to bounce things off of. It's really hard to do this by yourself and keep the, keep the energy going when you have just one person here. It's a one man commentary booth basically. So I know it's a short podcast, less than half an hour, but I do thank you for being here and I want you to do me a favor and go to all the places I mentioned earlier, like iTunes, and press the follow button. I'll be back next. I will be back next week, uh, hopefully with Andrew Rowan McVeigh or Connor the Cyberpunk Monk Bash, so I can draw this out a little bit longer. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, I will see you guys next week, and goodbye. <laughs>